Hi, fam. I'm Katie. And this is Ginny. And we are the Gabby Girls. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Gabby Girls, episode 15, coming at you on a Wednesday. We're bringing you some Monday energy. We're sorry it's delayed, but it's better than never, right? Yes. Hi, Jen. Agreed. Also, (laughs) Monday energy is a little frightening, so literally looking really bear with us on this <laughs> okay wait i was having sunday scaries for like the first time ever yesterday <laughs> me too we were supposed to record last night and we got on and then we just couldn't we weren't mentally we, we weren't there yeah we were not gonna bring you the we still talked for like an over an hour though yes yes we did but we weren't gonna bring you the energy that we felt you deserve from this podcast and so we decided to save it for a monday usually we record multiple days before this but it's been a week for both of us um and we had actually already done this intro and we'd kind of gotten into our first topic and then Ginny had a recording issue and she was getting a little frustrated and then we had a little psychic moment yeah it was wild so my computer shit the bed picture this my computer shits the bed and i'm like <laughs> trying to turn it back on and my keyboard's not working nothing's happening I kept opening like my settings and then they were closing and I was getting very frustrated. And then Kate goes, do you want me to sing to you? And in my head, she she goes, sure. (laughs) Like, fine. In my head, I heard the song play. I think it's Frankie Valli, isn't it? I have no idea. I love you, baby. And then she starts singing. I love you, Ginny. And if it's quite all right. And I had been singing in my head towards her because that's the song that Boyd and I sing at each other when we're both frustrated or we need like a pick me up. And so I had been singing at her in my head. And then I asked her if I could sing because I didn't know if that was going to throw her into like sensory overload. I almost just shit myself when you started singing that song. I, I, did you see how fast my head whipped at you? Yeah, I thought you were mad at me. I go, why are you singing that? Why did you just start singing that? <laughs> she was like, well, that's just what I sing. I'm like, what, what is going on? <laughs> so basically, we're connected. Jesus. Wait, I have a question for you. Does everything throw you into sensory overload or are you normal? Okay, so no, I'm not normal. (laughs) I get thrown into sensory overload very quickly, very easily. But it's funny because I usually need a lot of sensory things going on. But then it's Mm -hmm. like one thing pushes me over the edge and it's like, I'm going to break. Like when I'm cooking or something, I'll have music playing and the dogs are probably barking and maybe the TV's on. But then if someone comes in and they're asking me a question, that throws me. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, just one more thing is just too much. I totally get that. For me, the thing that will send me over the edge is um, I sit, obviously, in the front seat of the car, in the passenger seat. Then it sits directly behind me, always. I don't know why he always just has to sit in the seat right behind me. And he loves he loves to have the window open. And I don't know why, but just having the wind only on one side of my head, like, hearing it only in my right ear drives me berserk like it just sends because i want i don't know maybe it's not balanced i don't know why but it drives me insane no me you're not alone on that that makes me absolutely crazy too and it's not like the thumping like the where you feel like you're 
going to implode. Like it's just like having that noise directly behind my right ear instead of both of them. It drives me insane. Yeah, I know what you mean. Well, those waves that you eventually get, those are brutal. But no, even just having one window open, like if I'm driving, I have to open both my front windows because just the one window, it just doesn't do it for me. It feels weird. And then um, in the kitchen, the thing thing that sends me into a fucking rage is like when the dishwasher rack chooses to not behave and then I'm sitting there fucking wrestling with it and I've got (laughs) knives and plates and everything and I get so damn mad like I literally I swear to god if I could like abuse a dishwasher I would have already (laughs) maybe you already have a little bit (laughs) I hate the sound of like anything beeping I hate alarms I like really Mm. hate them like microwave alarm oh god same with the oven timer I don't even like the alarm on my phone I have the alarms on my phone set to sound like wind chimes because I just I hate it I have a pro tip for you I have a classical music song as my alarm in the morning. So I wake up to music and it's not a song that I listen to on the frequent. So I can't get annoyed with it. And I don't have like a negative association with it, but I just choose like a really pleasant classical music song that starts out low and slow and then like progressively gets louder. So it's a pleasant way to wake up. That's nice. I have, so how I wake up in the morning is I have an alarm. (laughs) Yeah, sometimes. (laughs) Um, no, I have this alarm. I use an alarm clock. Um, and I know, so I use this alarm clock that has a light on it. So, because it's not noise that wakes me up usually. Like if I used to have to sleep with my curtains open so that the sunlight would wake me up, but that's crazy actually. So, so I like, I would find myself right before I go to bed, open my shades, open my curtains, like weird move. So I got this alarm clock that rises like the sun yeah no i've seen those apparently they're better for you yeah it definitely helps me then i don't wake up because sometimes i can wake in a panic like if i wake up in the middle of a dream or something i'm like where am i interesting i get i'm usually i'm pretty okay with waking up that's never been like a real issue for me the only thing that that like that throws me off is when i'm in a dead sleep and i kind of wake up and then boyd's like talking to me or singing at me or like you know like trying to interact with me and i'm just like okay i was like in a different dimension like i need a minute to like readjust to this world yeah i get that i'm one of those people that wakes up talking or singing i'm i'm a morning person i think like i'm happy like i usually wake up on a normal day it was just like on sunday i slept in until 10 a.m and i was woken up by him like leaving the bedroom and i just was like kind of shocked and i wasn't ready to wake up whereas like on my normal days, I wake up at the same time. So my body's always kind of ready by like 730 to wake up. So that was just kind of like a, and it took mm. me like an hour to like get readjusted to the world. That's the worst when you wake up and you're just like, oh, I'm not ready to be here yet. And then it takes you some time to even feel like you could do anything. <laughs> yeah. And I had slept 10 hours and I felt like I could probably could have slept two more. Like I told him, I was like, if you had kept. I was going to say, what did you do the night before? I've been working all weekend. We have like this thing going on in the app where um I don't even know how to explain it. It's just there's something going on in the app. It's like these big games and it's like this like thing that happens twice a year. It's a BFD to the streamers, not to me. And so I've had to work um every night since Wednesday. So tonight's my last night, thank God. But on Friday, Saturday and Sunday, I had to work from eight till midnight, which was like a real pain in the ass. And partially why I'm feeling like a little burnt out because I didn't get a true weekend. Yeah, it sucks. Yeah, it's fine. Um, It's just like coupled with having a really heavy workload currently too. It just that the weekend is really where I 
separate myself from work and I turn off my email notifications and I really do I try not to do work on the weekends unless it's like very pressing and so to have that kind of taken away this weekend it was just a lot but I have a four-day weekend coming up because I'm taking Friday off and I have Monday off so it's that's awesome okay. yeah yeah you can rejuvenate yeah yeah how are you how's everything I'm good I'm actually I'm I'm doing pretty good this weekend I had my friend Vicky's bridal shower which was so much fun. So I drove kind of actually a long weekend, but so worth it. I drove to New Jersey on Saturday morning. The shower was at one. And I mean, one thing about me, I can fucking get ready quick. <laughs> like I showed up there, at, I don't know, noon, maybe a little after. And the shower was at one. And I looking like a scumbag by the way, <laughs> like I was a disaster. I hadn't even brushed my hair yet. So I got there, I took a cold shower in the hotel and I was like, Oh, I'm ready to fucking rock. Got out, did my makeup, did her makeup, wow. got dressed, went to the shower and it was so much fun. It was her whole, all the women in her family. Well, most of them. That's so nice. And then for friends, it was me, her maid of honor. And then our friend Jess, who's her matron of honor. Got it. So, so that was pretty cool. And then Sunday morning, I had to drive them to the airport at seven. So that wasn't much sleep because we were, of course, up talking and drinking wine and having fun. Um, so drove to the airport at seven and then came home. When is her wedding and where is it? It's in January in uh, Clearwater, Florida. Oh, amazing. Okay. Wait, Clearwater or St. Pete? I don't know. One of those. Same thing. Yes. You know, they're, they're right next to each other. <laughs> yeah. Okay, um, cool. But yeah, in that area in January. So it'll be beautiful. Wow. That's exciting. Mm -hmm. I have a wedding in May that I'm a bridesmaid in. This is my first time being a bridesmaid. And it's also going to be the first time I've ever had my hair and makeup professionally done. And I am so looking forward to it because I just, I want to see myself with like a full face of makeup. Yeah. That's so much fun um, to have someone else do it for you. And then you don't have to worry about it. And it's just like, you open your eyes and you're like, wow, I'm ready. <laughs> yeah. I can't wait. Cause like, you know, I don't really wear a lot of makeup. Honestly, like when you've done my makeup, that's probably like the most makeup I've ever worn. Okay. So it's f really funny that you say that because Vicky just asked me to do her makeup for her wedding. I'm like that is a lot of responsibility, but yes, I'll do it. Like God I am, I always do her makeup for everything. Anytime we're together, I'm doing her makeup, which really I kind of makeup. love that. It's really fun. We have all these pictures of me just like getting her ready and it's so cute. That's it's just, so cute. it's kind of our thing, but yeah, she asked me this weekend. She's like, you know, I did cause they do try try on, yeah. yeah, you know, yeah, trials. And she, yeah. Trials. Yeah. She, so she did that and she was like, I don't know. I just, I want you to do it. And I was like, all right. And then her mother-in-law asked me too <gasps> when we were at the bridal shower. She was like, because wow. I had, she came over to me and she had been learning. She's been talking to me about this. Um, she's been kind of trying to learn how to do makeup. And she was like, you know, all the tutorials are younger people. She's like, I'm a middle-aged woman. It's just different. So she's been practicing, but she was like, but could you help? <laughs> I was like, of course. Yes. So I'm, I'm really excited I, for that. I find makeup to be so daunting because there's so many moving parts there's just so many yeah and like so many ways to do it and you don't know if you're doing it right or wrong and like I don't know I don't know if the products I have all go together correctly because some are oil-based and water-based and I'm like I don't so no know. the answer like, is probably like, no to that they need to be all water-based or all oil-based <laughs> right and I'm like who is the time like someone just give me a starter kit with my correct skin tone colors and just like give me like five products because I can handle that like a concealer a blush we should go shopping I have like 
yeah, we should go shopping. But I have like, you know, I think I, I have a concealer. I have a blush. I have a bronzer. But like, that's it. You know, <laughs> that's OK. Those are like and you could do a lot with those. You can even do eyeshadow with your bronzer and your blush like you can make that work yeah honestly you those are the key players you've done my eyeshadow ever and i think i have like a little eyeshadow palette that i got from like tj maxx like so long ago i probably should throw it away now you gotta throw that bitch out yeah um <laughs> it's time to replace her literally because i just i'm like i don't ever wear makeup but i need to start i feel like i need to start getting into it well you don't have to because you're a natural beauty so I will say it's kind of like a snowball effect. Once you start getting into makeup, then you're like, you always want to wear it or feel like you have to because then people know what you look like like that. Yeah. So if you're not into it, don't make yourself be into it. Yeah, I guess I would probably just want to be more confident in my skills because I definitely don't think I'm very good at it. Like, I think I can just like muddle by and then I'm like worried that, oh, can like professional people, like, you know, girls who are good at makeup, can they tell that I'm not good at makeup? Like, I don't know. You know? Yeah, I hear you. That's funny. And probably uh, nothing to worry but, about. <laughs> you know? <laughs> guess what? They're not looking at me. Yeah. Um, but Boyd hates makeup. Like, when we we went to a wedding together um, when we were, like, six months into dating. And that was um, the first time I'd met, like, all of his, ex- his extended family and stuff like that. And his Wait, mom- with the white rose wall? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that I knew what you were talking about because I knew you were wearing makeup in those pictures. Yeah. That was, like, a lot of makeup for me. Um his mom came out after having her makeup professionally done. And he said, is this what you're going to look like in your casket? And she almost shit herself. (laughs) I know I hit him so hard. I was like, dude, that's so mean. You just ruined her self-esteem. That's not nice. So it's probably not makeup that he doesn't like. It's just, he doesn't like when people don't look like themselves when they wear makeup. Mm -hmm. Cause there's a natural way to do makeup and enhance your features. And then, you know, if you, I also don't think that people on special occasions should look completely different than what they normally look like. I totally agree. And so I told him I was like, cause he was like, you know, he talks about our wedding and he's like, when, when we're getting married, you're not wearing makeup. And I was like, mm, fuck that. Yes, I am. I do not want to look red. I don't want to look shiny. I want to look the most beautiful I've ever felt like I'm wearing makeup, but I promised him, I was like, I'm not going to do full contour. I'm not going to have a concealer. That's seven shades. Yes, l- the fuck you are. Well, like not do full contour, but not like, um, not like how the Kardashians were in like 2016. Cause like, that's like what he thinks of when he thinks of makeup, you know? So we just need to condition him and we need to teach him what that you could wear makeup and still look natural. Well, and I promised him, I said, I'll do a makeup and hair trial and then you can see me after and then you can tell me what you like and you don't like so that you're not shocked when I like walk down the aisle and you're like crying because you're so mad that I don't look like myself versus like crying because you're happy. <laughs> okay. Well, that's not going to happen. All right. We're going to find you a makeup artist that, you know, knows what you look like and you're going to tell her this is what I want and we need a natural look. I need to be yeah. a little glowy and that's that. Yeah, like Sophia Richie. Like that's like, you know, I think. Yeah, she's just ever, like the clean girl I, aesthetic. And that's, yeah. She, she, trust me, she wears makeup. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Yeah, I just don't want to look like, um, like baked and all, you know, right. all the all the terms that I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. You don't need to look like you're wearing a face full of makeup. Yeah, right. And like the cakiness, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, I hate that. I know. You can just like it's, see it on people. It's like, oh, brutal. <laughs> Yeah. And I've, you know, I've done so many weddings and I've been at so many weddings just for working them and I've seen really good makeup and I've seen really bad makeup. And so I know what I definitely don't want. Heard. How is dog training going? Oh, it's good. I actually, the dog trainer was here tonight. I, she was here right directly before we got on this podcast, Uh, but it was really good. So tonight we practice like more stuff by the door, just, you know, letting people in and having Jagger just 
sit, stay, not lose his mind. Because once he gets to that point where he's losing his mind, he's like Jaws. Like he just has those dead eyes. Like he's not himself anymore. (laughs) And there's no comp bringing him back from that, you know, until he's tired and he's done with the routine. But Mm. so we just worked on that, not letting him get to that point basically, which was good. And then we worked outside too with just kind of seeing people walk by and things like that and having him not react to it. Mm -hmm. And then just some recall with Callie, Mm -hmm. my mom's dog. So it was good because she's a runner. She's yeah. a track star. Would he? Like in a major way. Is <laughs> <laughs> she's like the minute the door opens, like she's gone? Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's gone. She's across the street. She's at the farm next door. She's in a fucking field in the neighbor's backyard. And you call her name and she's like, she's it's like she's never heard it before. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So I found a dog trainer and she came on Saturday. So two days ago, five days for the people who are going to listen to this um <laughs> good math math um <laughs> yikes uh and i she came to my house and we did like a whole evaluation and um we are on the road to getting bennett to be a better dog which i'm very excited about good so how did that how did that go what does an evaluation look like it was really good so i i called a couple different dog trainers like i mentioned in our last episode and some of them were like very militant and wanted to like crate train him or send him away to boarding for weeks or wanted to have an e-collar on him which is like a shock collar or a vibration collar and that's so lazy yeah and just not the type of dog parenting that i want to enroll in because i don't want to have to have that as my last resort for my dog i want him to respect me enough where he listens to me right like you just positive reinforcement okay so dogs that have been trained with positive reinforcement are so much less reactive than dogs that are trained with negative reinforcement like an e-collar and Things like that. And that's really how I've tried to raise Bennett is yeah. like with, po- you know, like we ignore the bad behavior or we, I don't react to it and we only reward the positive behavior. So I found this woman on Instagram um, after doing like so many Google searches and calling all of like the dog trainers on Google. I finally just like typed in Boca Raton dog trainer and this woman came up and her Instagram bio is positive reinforcement only. I was watching her videos and she's training dogs at Home Depot in the grocery store, you know, like good things. And so I got on a call with her and we talked about Bennett and art of life and everything. And she was like, scared dogs are my favorite dogs. So I'm excited to work with him. And I was like, okay, this is great. So she came to our house on Saturday and she texted me when she was outside and she said, come outside, but don't acknowledge me. I just want to see how Bennett acts great okay open the door Bennett has great recall he doesn't need to be on the leash he'll always stay within like the boundary he's really good at about having like a radius wherever I am he doesn't go too far um I've worked really really hard on that like working on recall is like the hardest thing to do with dogs and he is so solid in that so we walked out we walked down the block she told me to put him on the leash she joins us walking and he kind of ignores her he sniffs her legs and then he kind of just ignores her because he's not that interested um especially living in philadelphia like on the city streets like we would see thousands of people a day so he just didn't even care um it's not really a thing for him and uh then we came inside all together he didn't bark at her he kind of was just like okay you're coming inside with mom and dad sure okay um and then she like pulls out this big pamphlet of like forms and she's starting to like run down the list of questions about like where we got him do we think that he had trauma in his puppyhood certainly not we 
this breeder that we got him from was bananas. He was weighed every day. He was given supplements. He was under a heat lamp. He was so spoiled. We met him. Um, we were able to go to their house like two or three times before we actually picked him up. So we got to choose him at four weeks. Then we got to see him every other week. Like we've, we had a lot of experience with the breeder. Um, we talked about like his problems, the way that he reacts to things, the way that we react to things. Like it was like a whole questionnaire. And then we did some work with just starting. She was standing near the door and I had cheese because that's his like highest value treat. And she would knock on the door. He would start barking. We would say, "Uh uh-oh, instead of no or reprimand. It's just a mistake. It's not a bad thing. It's just a mistake. Once he gets settled, she'd knock on the door again. If he didn't bark, I'd give him cheese. We reward that. So once we got the bark or the knocking under control, then she would start turning the deadbolt. So to start like the opening of the door. He barked the first few times. Once we got that under control with treating, then she would open the door. Then Boyd stepped in. Boyd was treat, like giving the treat. I was doing the knocking and opening the door. And so we kind of did this combo for probably like 15 minutes. Um, and that was really great. So we did some of that today. And then another thing she talked about um, to kind of like build his confidence because he doesn't have as much confidence in the house that he should is called free work. And you can look it up on YouTube and it's basically a way to like get your dog to just explore things at their own rate. So putting treats in cardboard boxes or underneath things, or if they're scared of like pots and pans, putting them in pots and pans, like whatever is triggering for your dog. It's basically like putting out on the floor, putting treats around it or inside of it and letting your dog interact and like explore it by themselves without you training or encouraging. And so I did that today before a meeting. Um, and at first he was like barking at me and it's the way that she said it was like a demand for attention or a demand for acknowledgement. I ignored his demand because he's very demanding. (laughs) I joined my meeting and about 15 minutes later, he came over to the couch and he like laid down fully down with his head asleep and that's a really big change because normally he would come lay down and be on alert next to me like waiting for the next threat and so just even that small thing I just was like oh my gosh this dog is you know I'm starting to see changes even from something so similar as putting chicken treats in a cardboard box right so he got to face his fears and it tired him out so he was calm after and I think he felt like a little bit proud he was like oh you know like I can cardboard isn't scary you know yeah a little exposure (laughs) therapy for the boy (laughs) Yeah, it was really good. So um, I think we're going to meet with her next week. She said, you know, we just need to do, we're writing out a list of like triggers. So the TV reflection in the window is something he gets triggered (laughs) at because he thinks it's like an intruder. That is funny. (laughs) Well, that's awesome. It's good too when you start to see the changes quickly because it feels like you're moving in the right direction. Yeah which you are, but it's, it's hard if you don't see that right away. And dogs are so eager to learn, especially our, the kind of dogs we have, they are eager to learn. They, they want to please you and do what they're told. They just have to learn how to do that and how to react. And you know, yeah, well, I told her, I was like, Benny doesn't like to work hard. And she was like, well, why would he, he's had you to do it for him his whole life. And I was like, right. Fuck. Jesus. Yep. Uh huh. I know. I did the same thing with Jack. I'm like, it it turns out I'm the problem. (laughs) Yeah. Like literally, Boyd and I are the problem. And so, like, I don't know, just things you don't think of. Like, instead of using his word, his name is like a Bennett. That's not appropriate. Like, we should be saying uh 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 or no. Like, you should never use their name in a negative space because then they're not going to listen to their name. You know, it's just I don't know, just things that I never even thought of that she 
is explaining that makes sense to me. And so I'm really just trying to like enroll fully in what she's telling me to do because thus far it's working. Yeah, that's great. And it is funny that you say that about the name because it's like none of this is groundbreaking, but it's all things that I didn't figure out on my own doing my own research right so it, it really is helpful well and it's like instinctual to be like Bennett no you know it's like ugh, right you know and I because that's how you, probably your mom yelled at you 100% you know? yes exactly yes yes that's exactly what and I was that didn't say. really work either so come to think of it <laughs> sends this episode to my mom listen to minute 24 <laughs> right we need to send our parents a dog trainer <laughs> Oh my God. And a therapy bill. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I also want to give an update. Um, You know this already, but our listeners don't. I went on my first girl date this week. Tell us. Tell us everything. So it's not, it's a platonic girl date. Don't get any ideas. We're not getting, yeah, we're not getting spicy over here. But I met this girl on Bumble BFF. We've been talking for a while. She's actually from France, which is like very, as we know, very fitting for me because I'm a Francophile and I love France and everything that has to do with France. So we went on um, a meetup on Thursday night and we went to a restaurant that happened to be closed. So we had to parlay a little bit and move to a different. Oh, had to pivot? Literally. <laughs> <laughs> i called Ginny. that's kind of funny though that's like a good that's a good icebreaker too we like oh what, what are we gonna do now literally i like walk you know me of course i was early so i walk, walked over and i was gonna get the table and the reservation was under my name and i brought my book so i could like in case she didn't show up i wanted to make sure i had a cover so i wasn't like awkwardly sitting there by myself um and the restaurant was closed and I was like, okay, well, next, yeah, I've got to find something else. Um, and she's really lovely. She's really wonderful. The only like things that I have reservations about is that she doesn't know if she's going to stay in the U.S. for more than a year. So it just like makes me a little hesitant if I want to really put effort into this friendship because if she's not a permanent fixture, like it's just like, should I be spending energy on someone else then who isn't going to be permanent? Um, and she doesn't have a car, which is a little bit difficult. So like. It's a lot of me having to go see her or go close to her, which is like a 30, 35 minute drive for me. So she's really nice. Um, We had a lot to talk about, like some few awkward silences and stuff like that as to be expected with someone new. Um, But overall, very positive. And I hopefully will be going on more girl dates. (laughs) So what did you guys talk about? Like everything. Is it a regular first date, you know, where you're kind of talking about yourself and what's your favorite color and things like that or i've never talked to anyone about my favorite color so i don't know what okay i always do (laughs) i like to know people's favorite color (laughs) not applicable um (laughs) okay got it no we were talking about like my job and um you know i just i really love my job and so i kind of said that you know i like she was like it's so nice to see someone so passionate about their job and i was like i'm glad you feel that way because I know a lot of people that don't like their job and it's a bummer for me to hear about people not liking their job. And so, um, we talked about that. We talked about what it was like growing up in France. She went to a boarding school. She's very educated. She's lived in a lot of different countries. She's been almost everywhere, which is really cool. Um, I think she was surprised that as an American, I've traveled as much as I have because she said, so she's in hospitality, but most people think that she works in a hospital. And so she said, most people ask what hospital she works in. <laughs> she's like, uh, no, maybe a hotel. <laughs> 
Um, and her family owns some hotels in France, which is super cool. Um, and so she's very versed in like the hospitality world, which obviously I am too. Um, we talked about like the event world. We talked about oh, people hating their lives and how people need to like choose happiness versus like what they think they should do. It was very, it was a really cool conversation. That's awesome. So have you guys made other plan, like a follow-up plan? I need to text her back. She texted me on Friday asking if I was available this weekend. I had a really rough weekend, so I didn't respond to her. And I need to apologize and tell her that I couldn't see her this weekend. But um, I think I'll see her. It's just I need to figure out how far she can travel because she told me she takes like the bus often, which is great for her that she's able to do that. But like in America, that's like a big deal. I feel like to take public transportation like all the time. I think it's only a big deal if you're not used to doing it. Mm hmm. You know, like for her, it's probably like, that's just what she does. That's how she gets around. So it's probably not that big of a deal. You should ask her where she can take it to, how close to you or whatnot. Yeah, I definitely need to do that. Um, But I think she'd be like a good person to go to like a gym class with or something like that. She was dressed very cute, very European. Like I loved her style. Like I was like, okay, we're on like, we're on the same wavelength with like most things. So I think it's just like getting deeper. And then one thing is, you know, I was worried about going in is like, what's her like English level and would she be able to understand my jokes and my sarcasm or would it just be like very interviewee and her English is phenomenal and she's so dope she at 11 years old she decided that she wanted to learn English before she had to like learn it in school and so she found a host family in Oxford uh England and she just went there for the summer when she was 11 um and learned English by herself and her parents wow I know she's so independent that is really admirable yeah she's like a really really independent woman and so I just was like okay I can see like a lot of things that I really like about you so it was very positive okay so we owe the listeners a Maui update so I did some research I know you did more research so I'll tell you that I went on reddit I googled and I went on tiktok when you go on google it's a bunch of news outlets trying to say that these conspiracies aren't real of course because that's the news (laughs) Reddit, I found some, but it was a little bit harder. I have, I don't use Reddit a whole lot, so I don't really know the intricacies of, like, getting to where you need to go. Mm-hmm. But TikTok, I found a treasure trove. Yes. So I also want to say that ha- – did you see any of the videos of news reporters in Maui being, like, accosted? No. They're saying that they're, like, hired actors basically sent to talk to news reporters and kind of, like, belittle them. <laughs> On camera so that what they're saying, um, the people watching the media will be less likely to believe them because they're actually in Maui telling the truth. And like what's on the media is different than what you're seeing in the in the news report of people on the ground. Mm -hmm. So even like the number of deaths, you know, they're saying it's like 100 or a little over 100. But the people actually there are saying it's closer to 500 or thousands. Right. There's there's missing kids. There's all these things that the news isn't reporting. I saw that too. And I saw people maybe in like a town hall meeting with council members or local government emphatically saying you are misrepresenting how many body bags are here. You are misrepresenting who has been lost. You are misrepresenting the cause or the the yeah, the cause of this fire. You are misrepresenting this whole situation. Right. So I'm gonna walk through what happened and then just some other tidbits of information that go along with this, that no conspiracies, just the facts. So, and I also, before I talk about this, I just want to say 
I understand that talking about this can maybe take away from the tragedy that the tragedies that did occur and the people who were affected, because instead of talking about them, we're talking about the events. Uh, So I just want to say, you know, before we get into this, I'm sending my love out to everyone who was affected. And I'm so sorry that this happened. Yeah. And we're sorry that we even have to be here talking about this. Yeah. But I think it's important that people know. 100%. So on Monday, August 7th, the National Weather Service had recorded incredibly high winds, wind gusts across Hawaii, and they sent out a high wind warning um, issued for parts of Maui County that lasted through the week. So these gusts were up to 67 miles per hour. So when we're talking about how the fire could have jumped across highways and how it could have gotten to both. It's not necessarily that the fire jumped, but it's that because of the wind, embers were being carried and things like that. So around 11 p.m. on the 7th, a security camera from the Maui Bird Conservation Center captured a bright flash in the woods, and then the power went out. So the generator kicks in, the power comes back on, the security cameras turn back on, and the woods are on fire. The forest is on fire. So it all happened fast, matter of like 20 minutes. By 12 a.m., a brush fire was reported in the area. And this, in the Kula, I think that's how you say it, area, in which we now know was the up-county Maui wildfire. The next day, the fires spread to Lahaina, which is a very historical island in Maui County. And it burned all through the night. All through the day, they ended up the next day, they ended up um, blocking off all of the roads. So people who were trying to escape only had one road to get out on. Um, Families were jumping into the water. They were diving into pools and staying in there for hours to try and keep safe. And the governor did not issue a state of emergency until 9 p.m. on the 8th. So almost 24 hours 22 hours, I guess, after the fire started, he issued a state of emergency. The um, Maui or Hawaii also has the largest uh, outdoor emergency sound system in the world. Those never went off. They didn't turn the water on. They had shut the water off, in fact, because Maui is having like a water shortage, you know, and on supply. And so they had shut the water off and they would not turn it back on. By the time they turned it back on, it was too late. You know, all this damage had been done Mm -hmm. and a lot of pipes had gotten so hot that they melted and closed. So the water couldn't even get to the places that they were trying to send it. It was too late. So a lot of damage had been done. I mean, a lot. And, you know, you look at the news reports and all that was damaged. Mostly all that was damaged was residential property. It was like 96% of damage was residential property. So I was looking into this a little bit more. Just on why, like, what would be the motive here besides trying to clear the land for the smart living thing? And and what's really the evidence that that is the case? Because it's easy to say that, oh, you know, all the millionaires' homes were safe and things like that. But we need some evidence to back this up, just some facts of what was really going on. So in July, the governor signed an emergency housing proclamation that basically removed all red tape for construction. Um, it and part of it was that he approved housing to be built on brownfield sites, which is basically a contaminated area of land. 
Now around Lahaina, they put up all these black barriers saying that this is a contaminated area of land. Contaminated by what? Pollution from the fire is what they're saying. So Okay, afterwards. This is after this is afterwards. So that proclamation was three weeks before the fire started. Okay. Now, after the fires, they put up this black tape around the whole area saying this is a contaminated area. If you look at the emergency proclamation, it's considered a brownfield site now under their definition of it, and they have the power to build there. Crazy. Yeah. So it's just, it's all these little crazy things that just cannot be a coincidence. Mm. And then there's been things going on with Oprah. Like Oprah owns close to a thousand acres of land there. And before this fire happened, it was worth... I think it was $6.6 million after this. It's worth over $300 million. And, you know, she's trying to collect money. You know, she has a fund set up that she's trying to collect money from fucking nine to five workers to help out the people in Maui. She can write that off as a tax deduction. And meanwhile, she owns all this land. Like, why are you, what are you doing? You're a billionaire. Help people. You are one of the people that has the ability to help people. And it's just The Rock, too. You know, he was doing something similar. And he's Hawaiian, which is even crazier to me. You know, you'd think, help your home. But and then the governor had also come out while this was all going on. And he said, he was saying, oh, we're going to build a memorial site here. Fuck your like, memorial site. Like, a fucking site. memorial site. How about you give these people their homes back? Build their homes. You know, earlier this year, uh, the U.S. government misappropriated $6 billion dollars for the Ukraine war. They basically, you know, they sent them money for weapons. They sent them weapons. And then afterwards they said that they had overvalued it by $6 billion accidentally. So that's $6 billion that was accidentally misappropriated. It was somebody asked, you know, how much would it cost to rebuild all the houses in Maui? 5 billion. Okay. So you can, you have $6 billion to accidentally give to the war in Ukraine, but your own country and people who have lost their families and lost everything that you can't find the funds for, it's gross. Yeah, it is gross. So I saw reports, you know, I take everything on the internet with a grain of salt. I just want to let all of our listeners know that. I believe that every video can be edited. Everything can be photoshopped. Everything can be faked. So I saw videos of the flash of light. And then the fire burning. There are a lot of videos out there where it is a big flash of light that isn't really like lightning or what you would think lightning would look like. I saw videos of Native Hawaiians talking about how they are blocking aid from anything other than the Red Cross. Um, that like like other American citizens are trying to bring water, food, elect- uh, uh, clothing money even and there it's being blocked to to be given to these people who are in need who desperately want it and they were saying we want this like just you know give it to us help like, us yeah anything yeah, help us like literally anything um and then like i said i saw people talking to local council members about this saying that this was certainly not normal and it wasn't natural and that this was something that they felt was planned and um, they know that that's the truth. Yeah. I've seen a lot of the locals, um, talking basically at, was it a hearing? Is that what that was? Or 
I want to say it was like a, a, a city council thing. Like a like town meeting like, or something? Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't think it was a, it looked like it should have, it looked like it was like in a courtroom, but I don't think, because like, why would there be a hearing thus, like that soon? You know, I don't think it was anything like political era, right. legal. Yeah. I saw that too. And everyone was saying this was not a natural disaster. Mm-hmm. There's nothing natural about this. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. And I do want to say the one thing that I did hear. So I like. You know, when you look at it and everyone's like, why didn't the trees burn? Why didn't the grass burn? The one thing I did read to kind of um, understand that was that because trees are living beings, they have a lot of water, their leaves burn first, but their trunks don't. Mm. So a lot of times after wildfires, you will see trees and vegetation that like is charred, but still there and alive. It's because of the water content. So... You may be seeing trees and stuff like that after all of this wreckage. And it's just because they have so much water inside of them that they were able to like stave off the burning. So that's like one thing that I did see that kind of disproved everyone saying like, why didn't this laser powered by the government burn the trees? And it's like, well, because trees are like millions of years old and like know how to like right. not be yeah. burned by fire. Um, oh, one other thing that I saw too is how like part of the reason why they said it was spreading so quickly is that it was burning cars, gas stations, things like that. And it was causing explosions from the gasoline and same with on the boats too. Mm -hmm. So they're saying that that helped Mm -hmm. basically exacerbate the issue. Mm -hmm. Did you see why? So I've seen like a lot of people talking about like, why didn't some, or why did some of the cars burn to the point where they melted? And then why did other cars burn? Not so much. Did you figure out if, other wildfires in history burned that hot or is this unique? Um, so I did see that other wildfires have burned this hot and that it is normal for them to skip things. Mm-hmm. Like there's no rhyme or reason, but you know, you see some pictures of the neighborhoods where it's like maybe one house is standing yeah. and it feels like, what are the odds? Because what are the odds? Right. But apparently it's common for fires. They have no rhyme or reason. So they may skip things. They may, and there's no answer for that. Now, I don't know if that's, applies to everything here right Right. you know some cars were completely melted some were hardly even touched it looks like and that's a hard thing to wrap your head around when these cars are back to back to back to back to back Mm -hmm. like how how yeah so yeah i'm not sure so this kind of ties in with um one of the presidential candidates robert f kennedy jr rfk who is running as a democrat but he is certainly outside of the parameters of a normal democrat i'll just put it that way yeah he's been making he's been making his way around um joe rogan podcasts and the the you know the media cycle um and he was talking about blackrock vanguard and what's the third one safe something oh uh whatever it's irrelevant we'll have to look that up i know you're talking about companies that up he basically in the in the clip that I saw, and I think he was on Theo Vaughn's podcast, so you guys can like listen to this at your own and have fun I'm, with that. <laughs> yeah, have fun with I, that. I actually love Theo Vaughn. I think he is so funny. I do too. Not I on Theo purpose. <laughs> <laughs> um, he was saying that these three companies own, I think it was eighty percent of the S and P five hundred, and that these people are this these companies are so beyond powerful and rich. That like money doesn't even apply to them. That credit mm-hmm. score doesn't even apply to them. Laws, nothing. Uh, and I had never really heard these these companies before the Maui fires, and I just found it really ironic that 
after we talked about this, I now see this man who is openly running against these companies that he believes um, are in control of the U.S. and are kind of the reason why the U.S. is going down the drain. He's openly talking about how fucked up they are and how corrupt they are. And it takes a lot to go against them. Yeah. And he's a lawyer. So he is Mm -hmm. intelligent. He's well-spoken. And I assume that he's well-read. You know, believe whatever you want. Support whoever you want. I don't, I'm not saying I'm voting for him, but I just, I saw this interview with him and I just found it really, really interesting that he's talking about these companies and then these companies are so largely tied to these Maui fires. Mm -hmm. It's like the more you read, the more obvious it becomes. Yeah. So do you, do you want to talk about these dots that you've connected and did you kind of figure out like a why or do you think you figured out a why? No, I think that the the dots that I've connected were basically when I was reading that emergency housing proclamation and I mm-hmm. saw that they had it basically said, you know, anything can be built on these brownfield sites. That's when it clicked in my head that, oh, like these fires, they're now considering all this land to be brownfield site. So they're not going to give these people their homes back. They're not, this is not going to be an insurance claim. They're saying that this is polluted, contaminated. You cannot go back there. And they've already taken away all the fucking laws protecting the people who own this land from these developers building there. So now it's considered contaminated property and they can do whatever the fuck they want. So crazy. Yeah. So what's going to happen to all these people? Just be displaced? Yeah. It's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. And a lot of them are dead. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of them yeah. are dead. Yeah. And I really like, did you get like, an, did you get a, a death count? I didn't get a death count because everywhere that I was reading was a different number. Same. And what the media is saying is different than what the local people are saying. And it's like, how do they, how does anyone even know if they're giving out all these different numbers? And the people who are there are seeing what's only around them, what's affected. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot. Yeah. And if, and if they're telling me it's more than a hundred, which like, how could it not be more than a hundred with no it's it's way more than a hundred way more than a hundred and they're not talking about they're not putting parents on the on the news saying hey my kid's missing they're not showing all that there's a lot of children missing i saw a tiktok video of a woman exactly saying that she was like where are these parents pleading for their children to come back to them where are these grandparents pleading yeah where are these people who are victims of this hoping and praying and 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 wishing that their loved ones do come back or or are found safe like where is this and frankly i know that the news media cycle cycle moves so fast i understand that but like we didn't get any of that like we've seen more coverage on you no they're blocking it Mm. why do you think 100 percent. why do you think because they don't want that talked about because i think that there's more to this than just the fires i think that there's some trafficking going on as well mm-hmm. and it's an excuse that there's oh all these fires of course there's kids missing but they, they don't just go missing they don't go missing yeah and we know that you know a lot of the big names are who is involved in sex trafficking like jeffrey epstein harvey weinstein you know these are these were big money names that are all a part of these companies we're fucking talking about yeah and it's like just because those two are caught there's a lot more that haven't been. Yeah. That's just not even, that's not even the tip of the iceberg. That's like this, right. the scariest fucking part. It's not even, mm-hmm. yeah. That's like a sacrifice. Like someone has to be caught, you know? Yeah. And they're like the losers who are like old and shriveled up. Like we have no idea who the key players are right now in 2023. Mm-hmm. You know, they may have been like the key players in 1990, 
but yeah so it's easy to sacrifice them and be like because oh, they're you know they're older we got they have to make room for new people to pull these fucking tricks right and rape children yeah steal them damn mm-hmm. damn have you ever heard of i'm moving on from this <laughs> i because i think i don't want to spend too much time talking about the bad people because then it's kind of giving them and more energy and you know maybe we can do some research on what we can do to help but yeah i don't want to give them any more power than they already fucking have yeah so i have a question for you unrelated have you heard of the invisible string theory no okay so the invisible string theory says that everything in the universe relationships literally everything is tied together by these invisible threads so it's like maybe i actually i have an example for you so i i dated this guy when i was i think i was 21 i dated this guy his name was logan and hi logan about (laughs) hi logan (laughs) so when i was in high school i went to look at my look at college i went to look at the university of tampa and i ended up going to orlando to see my friend bit we went to this party and as we're walking into this party there's a group of guys carrying out their very drunk friend. We don't even acknowledge them. We're like, you know, see them in passing, go inside, go about our life. Two years later, I go back to Orlando for her graduation and I meet a guy at this party and he was like, oh, and we're talking about the last time that I was there. And I had said, you know, we went to this party, whatever. And he was like, oh, that's so crazy. I was there too. I was carrying out. My friend was hammered. Like we had to carry him out drunk. And it was like, what are the odds? Like, Oh, I actually, I saw you doing that. Like I didn't see you, but I saw that whole interaction. And then we ended up dating. And so the theory says that the universe always has you around people who are going to end up in your life, but only actually places them in your life when you're ready for it. Mm, Okay. Have you had any experiences like this where maybe afterwards you were like, oh, I was there too, or you were in the same vicinity as someone? Yeah, with Boyd. Because we've um we we both believe that we were destined to meet and be with each other. And so um he went to LaSalle University, which is in North Philadelphia, and I looked at LaSalle and I didn't almost choose LaSalle, but a lot of people wanted me to go to LaSalle. Um, and so he was there. And so if I had been, and it was a very small school, like 4,000 people. So if we had gone together, we would have known each other. Um, so there I think was like the first attempt at the universe trying to get us to meet. And then the second one was, um, Boyd lived in the UK for a little over three years, uh, in London. And I lived in the UK for like six weeks. Um, and we, I'm not saying we would have met when we both were in the UK, but we missed each other by like three, three weeks of both being in the UK. And then Mm. I think if you like trace our life, I think we probably would have been at like some of the same concerts in Philadelphia or the same like bars or whatever, but we just never saw each other, acknowledged each other or whatever it is. Um, So yes, I do believe in that. And also like weirdly enough, I used to tell my mom this when I was a kid is um, I would say there's fairies in our heart that we would have a string that attached us and the fairies would either like spin out the thread, like the further we got apart or they would like spin in the thread, like the closer we got Like a fishing pole. Yeah. And like, I really used to believe like, that's like how like my mom and I were connected is like, we had like the string between us, but like, you know, like no matter how far we got, like we got- Invisible string. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's crazy. Like for me, if I had arrived at that party, like five minutes earlier, even one minute earlier, I probably would have talked with Logan. I would have met him at the door, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. it's just so crazy. And then I had another instance recently that I was talking with Deb and she was like, Oh, I went to this party last year. It was supposed to be a birthday party. It turned into a surprise wedding. And I was like, I was there. (laughs) And she was like, what? It was this was not a big party, by the way. There was probably like 50 people there, but I wasn't doing well. And my mom, I almost didn't go. I was like seconds away from not going. And my mom's friend, Michelle, actually, she called me and she was like, get your ass. Shout out to Michelle. Yeah. Shout out Michelle. She's like, get your ass to the party. It's actually gonna be a wedding. And I was like, okay. So I ended up going. I didn't really do a whole lot of talking because I wasn't doing <laughs> yeah I wasn't yeah I wasn't doing well at this point in time but it was just so funny like Deb was there too I never saw her we never talked and then that's actually the same people's house that we reconnected so at cool like yeah yeah but it was just funny she was like yeah I went to this party and it was a wedding and I was like I was there mm. like we just we weren't ready to connect yet I guess you know yeah I think it also applies to like the spirit world or heaven or whatever term you want to put on it where like souls go after they've passed um because uh, i've had a lot of death in my life unfortunately like it's just you know the hard truth is i've just had a lot of people pass in my life and so i feel very connected to the people that have died i call them my deads i feel like they're always around me i talk to all of them um you know i ask them for things i ask for support i ask them for messages that kind of stuff and so i had a best friend in first and second grade who we were born a, a year and a day apart and like I don't know if this was my school because it was like weird and hippie-ish but like every single story always said like a year and a day like everything was like a year and a day later the prince and the princess met or a year and a day or whatever and so like when we were you know six and seven years old like we used to always say like we're meant to be together because we're a year and a day apart like it just it felt so like we just like a perfect tie yeah and like we it just, it just, I don't know. We just made sense as friends. He, we were very close. I had a lot of playdates with him. I was very close with his mom. My dad, he didn't have a dad. His dad had passed when he was young. So my dad had become kind of his surrogate dad. And so we just, our families were very uh, intertwined. We lost contact kind of in middle school because he went to a different school. And, you know, as things go, he moved away. But I'd always remained Facebook friends with him and his mom. And, you know, I always, just I always believed that his name was Trevor I always believed that Trevor and I were supposed to like meet back up in life um in some way he actually passed I think two or three years ago now um and I never knew why I didn't even know then I knew uh, about a year ago I was told that he passed I didn't I just thought he like was off social media but he had been engaged and I just didn't really know where he went um, and so if, if another friend of mine's mom told me, cause I asked her, I was like, where's Trevor? And she was like, oh my God, you don't know. He passed. Um, and so last year in March I was in the Dominican Republic and I just kept having dreams of him. And I just was like, Trevor is trying to talk to me. Like, I don't know what the fuck is going on, but Trevor is trying to talk to me. So I messaged his mom on Facebook and I just was like, I'm so sorry if this is inappropriate, but I just want to let you know that I think about you and Trevor almost every single day. I am so deeply sorry for the pain that you're going through for losing a child. I love your son. I loved your son and I still love your son. Um, and she told me that he always talked about me until the, the day he died and that he still believed that we were supposed to be connected in some way. 
So he felt the same way that you did. He felt the exact same way that I did, even though we haven't spoken in 10 years. Um, and she just reaffirmed a lot of the things that I had been feeling about his spirit. And um, lately I've been feeling Trevor and I don't know why it comes and goes. You know, sometimes you just like, you just know what deads are trying to talk to you. Trevor has been trying to connect with me. And so the other day I was like, Trevor, if it's you, send me a sign. And for me, it's always numbers. I always see like 1111 mm-hmm. or 111 or 22 or 316, which is my birthday. And I kid you not, every single day since I told him, I've seen 1111, 316, 111, 222, 555, 333. You see, you're seeing and all the angel numbers. Yeah. And then today in the shower, <laughs> there was this bubble that was just dancing back and forth and back and forth. And I was like, Trevor, is this you? And it was just dancing. And it was like in the shower for like five minutes. And I was like, this is weird that just like a bubble is just <laughs> dancing. Yeah, around it's just like shower. playing around here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so I just was like, okay, Trevor's trying to talk to me. And so I really want to um, book an appointment with that psychic that you sent me that we talked about a couple episodes ago, because I really think that Trevor is trying to talk to me. And like, he is not one of the people that I would have ever said is like one of my like, spirit guides or guardian guardian angels or whatever like it would probably be like my grandfather or my godfather or my you know like yeah actual actual family um but i think trevor has something to say to me you should definitely try and and do that i definitely reach out to stacy because she'll pick that up immediately yeah i just and it's like i think it's like one of those invisible ties like i just it's just one of those connections where you don't ever forget about it like how many people have i met in my life like truly thousands but but certain people He's you connect people. with in a, on a different level. And it's like, I know we've done yeah. this before. 100%. Yeah. And like, it makes me so sad that his soul wasn't able to like complete the journey on this, on, on, on this, in this dimension or in this time plane. Um, because he truly had like the best soul, but I just know that we're going to see each other again. Yeah. I'm sorry for your loss, but it's beautiful that he's sending you signs and like, you know, you typically know who's trying to contact you. Yeah. And it just like, it's just like a weird thing. Like when I didn't even know it was a loss, you know what I mean? Like I didn't even know he was dead for like over a year Mm -hmm. and it's like, and then all of a sudden, uh, yeah. And like, I'm still like mourning him, which is just like the craziest feeling for someone that you're not close with. Yeah. That wasn't in your like day to day life. Yeah. And it's, Mm -hmm. and I also feel like, who am I to have jurisdiction over this like grief, you know? (laughs) Yeah. No, you're allowed. You're, You're allowed to grieve. And time doesn't really make a difference, to be honest with you. You know, it doesn't, that doesn't make your relationship any less. Yeah. I just like, it just still just makes me so sad that like, we're not going to be able to connect in this lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. I love you. I love you too. <laughs> this took a turn. <laughs> it always does, doesn't it? <laughs> Literally. <laughs> what deads are trying to talk to you today? <laughs> I don't know. I think the living ones are trying to talk to me, to be honest. <laughs> Who do you feel like? Do you feel like Midge? Like, what do you feel like a dead specifically around you frequently or no? I feel, um, yeah, I feel Midge a lot. Um, I don't really, I haven't been feeling people as much as I've been feeling energy. And mm-hmm. I don't know if it's a specific person. I feel like I'm being guided, not really spoken to, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So- yeah. I always feel like I'm guided, definitely. Like, mm-hmm. I, I just know, like, I've got people up there, like, but I've been having. Sure Right. Yeah. And you know that you're like, oh, okay, I'm protected. But I have, I've been having dreams about people who are alive all the fucking time. And I'm like, and that makes me think that it's either they're thinking, thinking about me and I'm picking up on that or yeah, I don't know. Cause it's, it's, 
but yeah <laughs> so no one dead right now good um <laughs> last thing and then we can end i had a weird dream last night have you had any weird dreams lately yeah <laughs> i have the, i've been having the literal craziest most vivid dreams but like literally like what i just said about yeah people uh okay <laughs> tell me yours so uh, here again i don't know the context but i found a baby mouse and i was you in and the rodents i know i, I i'm a rodent girl <laughs> rat girl for life <laughs> literally <laughs> it creates a bumper sticker <laughs> Um, (laughs) no i don't know i found a baby mouse and it was like um it had like a little bit of fur and like i i had found a baby mouse when i was like probably like nine or ten years old and maybe mice are really hard to keep alive like they're really difficult to like save um because their mothers do so much like you have to like rub their stomach to get them to poop if they want it like to pass or if not they'll die like there was and i went to school one day and my mom didn't take care of the mouse the way that she was wait is this real life or your dream this is real life um okay yeah when i was a kid i found a baby mouse and i tried to nurture it back to health because it's me and my i went to school one day and i didn't want to go and i was scared that my mom wasn't going to take care of the baby mouse well enough and it happened that she died and her friend was home when i got home and i was like where's the baby and they both sat me down and they were like the baby died and i blamed her because (gasps) she didn't take care of it the way that i was taking care of it but you know neither here nor there but i had this dream last night where i found a baby mouse where it was like a little bit more it was a little older than the baby mouse that died on me in childhood but i just remember i was so focused on keeping it alive and i don't know what happened to it but um i wonder what the symbolism is in your life like what are you holding on to so tight that you're trying to keep alive yeah probably like my sanity (laughs) the will to keep going literally i told you i'm on the verge i know i know when i talked to you yesterday you never have vibes like that you i i mentioned yesterday before we even started podcasting i was like do you ever get to that point where you're just so tired and you can't like wake yourself up and katie was like yeah we don't have to record today and i was like no no, i'm not saying this is me right now i'm just asking in general and you're never like that and i was like no but that's me right now like i cannot do this yeah yeah (laughs) yep so that's where we're at good to know where you are and your subconscious too is telling you i know nurture yourself because you were a baby mouse (laughs) yeah maybe you're the baby mouse do you want me to rub your tummy yeah seriously and like keep me under a heat lamp <laughs> we could do that red light therapy is good because that's what i was doing i remember oh my god i was turning on my back warmer like my heating pad and i was like so worried because i had like an automatic shut off and so i was like making sure i was like cranking oh my it. god you're like setting timers oh. for every few minutes when it would turn off <laughs> oh my god i'm bananas caretaker kate oh wow that should be my name i think it is <laughs> yikes well episode 15 i love you <laughs> love you ciao for now That's another episode of Gabby Girls. Thank you for listening. Make sure to comment, rate, review, and subscribe. Let us know what you think of us and the topics we talk about. We're not for everyone, and that's okay. Bye, Jen. Love ya. Bye, Kate. Love you more.